It's Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris, and welcome to week two of August, which means week two of National Chocolate Chip Cookie Month. I'm not sure the that... The best we... month of the year. It is, yes. And I'm not sure that we explained that in episode one of this month that we are celebrating and eating and tasting and baking and doing things all things chocolate chip cookies because this now, is who, who but who decided this because it's a hot month when in which something like a chocolate chip could melt could be messy yeah, yeah. Who, whose idea was this i feel like it should be in you know january when we're kind of like making snowmen and coming inside cold and having our cookie so I can't find out who organized that this would be National Chocolate Chip Cookie Month, but it was probably either the Chocolate Chip Organization of America or uh, That's a thing. the Milk Co-ops of America, because you can't have a chocolate chip cookie without having some milk. I don't disagree. But we have the added challenge of making our chocolate chip cookies gluten-free. And what does that have to do with anything? Well, the history story that I have to tell today is about my own exploration into the gluten-free world. I can't wait to hear about it. Well, you were a prime participant in this. I was there. <laughs> you were there. I was going on a trip for our band uh, that has another podcast, the Wednesday Night Podcast, that I Check it out. recommend you listen to. I was on a trip to Vermont to the Alchemist Brewery to get some fine hoppy barley beverages mm -hmm. when my doctor called me and said, well, all of that blood work that you had and all of those biopsies that you have has proven to me that you, my friend, have celiac disease. Which was very surprising. Very surprising. You did not have, it's not like you were having terrible tummy troubles. No, I... This was I, like, just we found this out by accident when you were having like some other battery of tests. Right. And I was uh, what they call an asymptomatic celiac. We've since also tested both of my sons, one of whom is diagnosed now with celiac and one of whom is not. Well, your sister-in-law was so kind Shout out to Maya. as to say, oh, you can totally live a celiac life and have good food and inv invited us over for a lovely dinner. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You can. And so it was after that that I really started to explore. I knew that I could cook without glutenous products, but I thought that my cakes and cookies certainly would be very limited and breads. But I've since learned that that's not true. And it's not the case. I think some things are still pretty tricky. I think I hear pie crust is pretty tricky. Pie crust. I have found substitutes that are not like pie crust at all. Like we make crustless pumpkin pie and key lime pie. Oh, yeah. And I make a Just great almond cookie mm -hmm. crust that just takes the place of a lot of those things but it's definitely not your flaky lovely crust mm -hmm. however one of the first places that i ever went to 
was a blog called Gluten-Free on a Shoestring. So this is more a history of my celiac exploration than it is about this chocolate chip cookie. I'm sure you're going to tie it all together and put a bow on it. Let's go. Yeah, here we go. So the Gluten-Free on a Shoestring blog on the web, Gluten-Free on a Shoestring.com, is organized by Nicole Hun, who is a former attorney and uh, in New York and she has a son who has celiac disease and she organized this blog with recipes and she has her own gluten-free flour blend and things like that but she basically shares everything and she has several several cookbooks and they all have great recipes in them and she has what she titled the best gluten-free chocolate chip cookies as you know my wife has always considered herself the cookie baker of the family Mm-hmm. She is a fine, fine baker. For years, made many, 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 many Christmas cookies and treats like that and uh, and got into baking. And I made these cookies and I loved them when I first made them. I thought that they were great. They were a fantastic substitute. As listeners may know, I had never even attempted to use the Toll House cookie recipe. So my wife would make chocolate chip cookies for herself and my other son, who are not celiac and can eat gluten. And I would say to her, well, just substitute the flour and just, you know, make them. And she says, no, 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 it doesn't taste the same. It doesn't taste the same. Every once in a while she would. And the cookies just weren't as good as this Mm. cookie. And Mm. so she kept trying all these different cookies. And I would just say, just make these. And she never would. So I just started making them myself. And th- that kind of had an effect on you and I starting this podcast. Because Is that true? Because at that same time, we were saying, we should explore all these different cookies. And I bet every cookie has a story. So this world's best chocolate chip cookie we're going to taste today and see if it actually is the world's best chocolate chip cookie or even better than the Toll House cookie. And yeah, this is like big, them's fighting words, Chris. And its story is really my story. So there you go. Well, I can't wait to try. Should we try? Yeah, let's give it a try. World's best chocolate chip cookie. So picking it up, I can see that it is almost a little bit shiny on the bottom, which makes me think it's going to be really yummy like that indicates to me that it has something that i like in it like an egg or butter or okay it does have eggs and butter and i just looked at the bottom of mine and it's brownish yeah but the top is pleasingly bumpy with you know the relief of the chips yeah so i know that the dough is going to be moist and chewy Chewy. because it kind of this this is a flatter cookie Mm -hmm. it's flatter than the toll house cookie Mm -hmm. okay i'm gonna eat it now all right Here we go. The only crunch you get is from the chocolate chips. (laughs) There are so many chips in in the one that I have. I don't know if I got a special one, but it's like three three to eight chips per bite, never mind 1.7. Yeah, it's got a lot of chocolate chips in it. It has four more ounces of chocolate chips than the standard bag. It uses 16 ounces. Oh, half a cup. Let me tell you... What this is reminding me of. First, cleanse your palate with some milk. With the milk, yeah. It's delicious. 
what it reminds me of more than a toll house. When you were a kid out there in the Midwest where you're from. <laughs> or, bu- <laughs> or a buffalo. <laughs> did you have Entenmann's chocolate chip cookies? Yeah. That's what this reminds me of. And that's a compliment. This was big. This is much bigger than an instant. Oh, much bigger. But in terms of look and taste, Mm. it does not have the coconut. It is reminiscent of Entenmann's. It Mm. doesn't have what? Entenmann's uses coconut oil in them. Oh, okay. And you can taste the coconut oil in them. Mm. And um, it's missing that taste. But I know what you're talking about. It's got the texture and the Mm -hmm. chewiness Mm -hmm. of an Entenmann's. I appreciate it. My only complaint about this cookie is that it falls apart. And it doesn't rise okay. as much as I want it to. It, mine is mine is cohesive, but mm-hmm. I, I agree that it's on the flat side. But that's not. Uh, I'm not sad about it. It's it's a good cookie. And listeners, I do have a trick for you from the recipe, because I have listen ma- up, guys. Pro tip from Chris. I've made this cookie many times, and when I follow the recipe to a T, the cookie is very 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 thin, and does not stay together the way that I want it to. Okay. Unless you freeze it, which is perfectly fine with me. If you freeze it, it's delicious. So and... you're you're not talking about chilling or freezing the dough before you bake it. You talk you're talking about freezing the cookie after you've baked it. Yes. To give it a little more stability. Yes. So there's a number of things you have to do. Chris, are you going to have this information on the on the <clears throat> Facebook group no. for the listeners? This is only no. for our listeners. We're oh, only guys, this... right pull over on the road and uh, on your commute and write this down or you can note it in your phone you can go to the episode and listen to it over and over and over again whenever you need mm-hmm. to so we can get more downloads yeah but the recipe tells you at the very end just before you put it into the oven to put them into the freezer for five minutes okay on the trays you should do that for 15 minutes that's okay pro tip number one pro tip number two is when you are mixing your ingredients together this is the only... So this should really be pro tip number one because this is going to happen before... Yeah. Okay. So the first one was pro tip number two. <laughs> and now we're working backwards to pro tip number one. Pro tip number one. It's like a David Letterman top ten. <laughs> <laughs> only, there's only two of them. This is, the, this is the top two list. Every chocolate chip cookie recipe and maybe every cookie recipe that I've ever done tells you to cream your butter and sugar together. This yeah. recipe does not do that. Oh? No. You put all your dry ingredients together, then you put in the butter and the eggs and the vanilla. The cookies turn out super flat and don't stay together really well sometimes if you do that. So what I always do now is I take all of my wet ingredients and I cream them together for a good three to five minutes okay. until I get like a whipped frosting almost. I'm putting as much air in there as I possibly can because there's no gluten to hold the cookie shape. Scaffolding, yeah. Right? There's only eggs to provide some scaffolding, the protein in the eggs, and there's only air. So we want as much of that in there as possible. And then I add my dry ingredients and I just mix it just until it's mixed. Just quick. Quick, quick mix like right. kind of like you're making cornbread moisten yeah moistening the dry ingredients exactly that's it that's pro tip number one chris that's fascinating i'd like to say i don't know if you remember last week we talked about the famous toll house cookie recipe yeah when i bake that cookie i am like one cookie short of basically being amelia bedelia in the kitchen 
So the first thing you're supposed to do is mix the dry ingredients. Then you're supposed to cream the butter and sugar. Well, I'm going along, cooking, talking to my kids. I don't even know what. I dumped the sugar into the dry ingredients instead of into the mixer with the butter. And I thought, what's going to happen now? Well, nothing really happened. It was just one scoop of the sugar. I had, you know, it's got two and a quarter cups of white sugar, two and a cup, quarter cups of brown sugar. So it was like, I think it was like one cup of sugar. So, oh, so you were just some a little... of my sugar... Yeah, some of my sugar ended up with the dry ingredients on that cookie. But it's interesting to me that what that you're talking about doing that on purpose. But that's how good the Toll House cookie recipe is. You can Right, it's foolproof. It's yeah. Amelia Bedelia proof. Very good. As is this, Chris. So I mean world's best is like kind of that's a lot. So what do you think in comparison to the Toll House? It's I think it's a very different cookie. Yeah, it's a different cookie. I think there is room in my kitchen for both of these cookies. Mm. I, I enjoy it very much, and thank you for introducing me What to about it. your relatives who are looking for a better chocolate chip cookie than the Toll House? Do you think they're going to like this better? I don't, see, I don't see why they won't give it a try. It's a little grainy. I think it's less grainy than the Toll House one I made. Okay. What kind of, what kind of Gia so. flour did you use? I think so, too. I think so, too. Yeah. I'm not sure what I used. I think it was Bob's Red Milk, the blue bag. Okay. The blue, yeah. light blue black bag. Yeah, I think it was that. I, I feel like the Pillsbury one is the is the finest, the least gritty. Interesting. Interesting. Well, sometime on Cookie Lab, we're going to have to pay a close attention to that. How, how's that? Yeah, we'll, we'll make the same cookies experiment. and we'll do yeah. a flour comparison. Yeah, kind of like when we did peanut butter cookies with different kinds of shortening. Right. But do you remember last week? When I said the oven was like a tiny laboratory. Yes. I want to revisit that again because okay. all the chemical reactions that happen in a chocolate chip cookie happen in the oven. Nothing really happens until you heat it. But as the cookie is going through all the different temperature changes, there are really fascinating things happening. And they're all very important. If we isolate any of them, we can significantly change the cookie. Mm-hmm. So come with me to the oven. If we could watch inside the oven. Well, you can. There's a light. <laughs> We've set our oven to 350 degrees. Okay. Right? The entire cookie dough will eventually heat up to 350 degrees. At 92 degrees, the butter starts to melt. Okay. And all the water trapped inside the butter turns to steam. So it looks like that ball that ball of cookie dough, yeah. at this point, it looks like it's melting. Yeah. This is a clue for those people who were listening last week. What happens at 115 degrees Fahrenheit? The cocoa butter melts. The chocolate chip is going gonna, is gonna to melt the a little, get melty. The semi-sweet chip is going to begin to melt. But as we know, the mass of the cookie holds those chips in chip right. form. At 144 degrees Fahrenheit, the protein from eggs starts to link together Mm. to create a strong bond, which helps hold the cookie together. It's that matrix, that protein matrix, and it's helping to hold the cookie together. So if we add more eggs or we have less eggs, we're going to either have a bigger matrix or a smaller matrix. If we have more butter or less butter, we're going to change that gooeyness of the cookie the amount of water in it right we want to have just the the right amount we don't want our cookies to spread all over but no but we want to release a lo- enough water because you don't add any liquid any water to 
the cookie dough. No. No. At 212 degrees, all the steam that's still trapped inside boils away, leaving behind tiny pockets of air. And air is essential to the chocolate chip cookies that we know and love. It makes the cookies softer and fluffier. However, the air pockets left behind from the water aren't enough to do the job. It's not what? gonna. It's not gonna be the cookie that we love. What happens next? Baking soda. Mm-hmm. Just about at the same temperature. Have you ever mixed baking soda and vinegar? Mm-hmm. Well, it causes. It's very exciting. What happens? Bubbles. You get a lot of bubbles. Well, the same thing happens when baking soda is exposed to heat. And the reaction from the baking soda and and heat creates more air pockets, which makes even softer, an even softer cookie. If you add a little bit of cream of tartar, that enhances this even more because it's Mm -hmm. tartaric acid and the tartaric acid mixes. Here is a cliffhanger. For to get us to next week? Next week, we're going to discuss the magic temperature for the chocolate chip cookie. Magic, you guys. And that is 310 degrees. Wow. So until then, I've got one cookie left. I want you to keep your paws off of it. Will do, Chris. Because we will need it for next week. See you then. All right. It's Cookie Lab.